You're listening to Be Still and Know, the ministry of Carmen United Church in Sydney Mines. My name is Reverend Nick Phillips, and today we're looking at Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 40. But before we begin, I invite you to join me in prayer. Lord, as we are in the midst of this Christmas season, just five of the 12 days complete, Lord, we pray that your Spirit revealed to us in your Son will always be near, will always be with us. And as we gather around your word this morning, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock, our strength, and our Redeemer. Amen. Have you ever been somewhere where you thought no one would ever know me? You think you're just somewhere anonymous? Maybe you're on vacation, but then you run into someone you know from back home. Or you're just traveling on a boat thinking, I must, nobody knows me here. But sure enough, somebody bumps into you. You never know when that's going to happen. You never know when something will happen when you least expect it. A number of years ago, Bev and I were on our first trip to Toronto, and we just thought we'd check out the town down around the waterfront. We did the CN Tower. We did all that, and we were hanging out with some friends. No one in this city would know who we are, but I'm walking along the waterfront, just enjoying the day, and a man stops me. So I know you. I don't think you know me. And now this is late August. This is just before the Toronto International Film Festival. So this city's on a bit of alert, looking for celebrities, passengers. This guy thought I was someone he saw in a movie. <laughs> and he kept me there for a number of minutes. Hey, you're, you're, just give me a minute. I'll think of who you are. I said, surely you've got the wrong man. I'm sorry to disappoint you. I just wish he could have remembered who I looked like so I'd have something to brag about. <laughs> but no, no such luck. And then last summer, we thought we'd slip into a church at the start of vacation. Surely no one would know us there. But sure enough, someone that I knew from years ago recognized me and told the pastor before the service started. And next thing we know, they're, they're pointing us out, which is fine. It just meant that people would come and talk to us. But it was during the middle of the service, which was a little different than what we're used to, that's for sure. I was at a conference to, to hear Ravi Zacharias, and some of you were there, and I was talking to the lead pastor from that church, and just having a chat as we were waiting for the, for the thing to start, and the, the pastor's son, how do you know my dad? Well, I was at your church a few days ago, and actually you preached. He's like, oh, right, yeah, I remember now, <laughs> right? I mean, we come across a lot of people in our lives, and certainly what I do and and I come across a lot of people, and you never know when I'll bump into someone. We'll be in the mall, and I'll start talking to someone, and, and the kids or, or Bev will ask, who's that? And then I'll have to remember and try to tell them. It was probably from a funeral, or increasingly more so now through basketball. As I've, starting involved, I've been involved with basketball here on the north side for a while, and so I'll be sitting in a gym waiting to referee, and I'll just start talking with the kids because I know them, and say, you know, well, you know, how's things going? How's your brother or sister, your family, whatever? And the other referee will look at me and say, how do you know all these kids? Well, I do most of my refereeing on the north side. And so if a referee on the north side, I probably have either coached this kid, 
or I know them through other work. And if I've coached them, it's either been uh, through a camp or on a team, so I, I bump into a lot of kids. We come across a lot of people in our lives, don't we? Maybe more than we even think about at times. And some of us bump into a few more than others, pastors, teachers, doctors, nurses, funeral directors. We bump into a variety of people. Part of my problem is I, I never remember names. I really struggle to remember names. If I don't talk to you face-to-face on a regular basis, I may not remember your name, which is really awkward when I have to introduce somebody that I remember the face of because I never forget a face. Now, there's been times when I coach and I'm yelling at the team on the floor or actually yell out the wrong kid's name. The kid I'm yelling about is probably sitting on the bench. They, they just get used to it. But faces, I never forget faces, but it does get awkward when I don't remember a name and I need to introduce them to someone else. It takes me a while to remember even where I know the face from. That's one of those two o'clock in the morning moments, right? You all have those, right? That's where I know them from, right? Now, Jesus didn't seem to have that kind of problem, did he? I'm clearly no Jesus, that is for certain. And it's more about the recognition. It takes far more than just realizing I don't recognize people to come to that revelation. But even early on in the life of Jesus, he was recognized. Think about Elizabeth. Before Jesus was even born, John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb recognized Jesus in Mary's womb just as Mary walked into the house. Jesus was recognized before he was born. Then you think of the shepherds that they come down from the hillside at the invitation of the angels to come and recognize Jesus for who he is there still in the manger. This is, and you think of the wise men who follow the star. They show up at the house where Mary, Joseph, and Jesus are staying sometime after his birth. He is being recognized very early on. And then there's the reading this morning. As we read past what we probably read on Christmas Eve, the Luke, uh, Luke's re- uh, rendition of the birth narrative, we keep reading past that, we see Jesus is still being recognized before he even has done anything related to ministry. He's very much uh, an infant at this point, very young, not doing a whole lot of miracles at that point in time. He probably looks like pretty well every other baby that's brought to the temple as the firstborn male to be consecrated before the Lord. There's nothing I suspect that would cause him to stand out. Now, to bring the firstborn male is a common thing for the Jews in those days, and in fact, many societies. They come, they bring the firstborn male because that is the one who is seen in a male-driven society. He is the one that carries on the family name. He is the one that inherits everything from the parents. He is the one that keeps the, 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 even the family trade going on. Think of the disciples who are fishermen learning from their fathers. Think of, we like to think of Jesus as a carpenter, much like Joseph was a carpenter before he began his ministry. Now when we look at the passage from Luke chapter 2, who are the people that recognize Jesus when they bring him to the temple? It's not the priests, it's not the religious leaders that are working there. The first one to recognize him is Simeon. Simeon seems to like to hang out in the temple. It seems he was promised that in his lifetime, the Holy Spirit promised him that in his lifetime he would meet the Messiah. 
He was not a priest or any other kind of religious leader. He was just a guy that, was, that hung out in the temple a lot. And he just happened to be there when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to be consecrated. It sounds like Simeon recognized him right away. He picked Jesus up in his arms and cried out those words of blessing to God from uh, verses 29. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight for all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Now we're not told how old Simeon is or how long he's been waiting to meet the Messiah, but he's clearly very excited for it to happen, that it has happened. He must have been a bit older because he says, I'm ready now, God, take me. I have, you have fulfilled your promise. I have seen the Messiah. I'm ready for you to take me. So after Simeon offers those words of praise to God, he then turns to Mary and Joseph and shares words of blessing with them. And then he says this to Mary, Luke 2, 34 and 35. You want to bring that one up, Anthony? Next one. That's it, there we go. Simeon blessed them and said to his Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Interesting words to share with a young mother. Well, we know that Jesus certainly did impact the lives of many people. Some were raised up as he taught them and healed them. Others were not so raised up as he kind of humbled them in their positions of power. He was certainly one who was spoken out against as he's challenged the status quo of the day. And when he did that, when he challenged them, he revealed their hearts to be what they truly were, greedy and manipulative. Then there's those final words that Simeon shares with Mary. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. When I read that sentence, it makes me think of the crucifixion. So if we turn to John 19, starting at verse 31. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers, therefore, came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side, with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. What is a spear? A spear is essentially a short sword on a long stick. And I suspect that when, when Simeon said to Mary, your soul, you will be pierced in your soul, he was re- indicating the pain which, that Mary will feel, feel when her son dies, when he is pierced on the cross. The pain Jesus feels in his death, Mary will feel in her soul as she watches her perfect, sinless son die a criminal's death. I wonder how many times Mary thought of those words of Simeon. 
as she watched parts of his prophecy come true. As he challenged the status quo, as he healed people, as he lifted them up, as he brought people in power down. I wonder if she, she thought about what it would mean for her soul to be pierced. And what did he mean when he said two also? Did these words keep her awake at night? Did she remember them often? You have to wonder, don't you? Those are pretty powerful words that he spoke to her. Now, Simeon was not the only one who recognized Jesus in the temple. There's a woman named Anna. She's a prophet, we're told. We're told she's advanced age, 84, which may not seem like so much today, but, but remember, 84 years old is pretty near double the life expectancy of someone in that day. She was a widow, we're told, for a very long time. She had been married seven years, which if traditional timelines apply to Anna, she would have been a widow for roughly 60 years, which is remarkable if you think about it. Anna was a regular in the temple. We're told she was there 24-7. She worshipped, prayed, and fasted there day and night. And when Mary and Joseph come in, Anna sees them as well. She has a message for this family. Now, unfortunately, we don't have those words captured for us to remember. But we know Anna gave thanks to God and shared widely what she had seen until her death. It says she spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Simeon and Anna were among the first prophets to meet Jesus. Now, yes, there were also the shepherds. They went out and glorified God, praising what they had seen. But they were shepherds. They were pretty well off by themselves. No one really associated with shepherds. They were dirty and stinky and smelly and lived up in the hills all by themselves with dirty and stinky animals. There's also the wise men, but we're not quite sure where they fit in in the timeline. We don't have a definitive time as to when the wise men came to see Jesus we just know it was sometime in his first two years. Nor do we have a firm timeline as to when Jesus went to the temple either. But we do know that they came, they worshipped before Jesus, but they didn't stick around the area. They headed back to their homeland, not, to share, not able to share with the locals what they had seen. Simeon and Anna, though, they are local. They are regulars in the temple, they're likely well-known by those who are in the temple if they're there all the time. Much like when we come to our churches, we have faces that we know we're going to see, faces we're happy to see when we walk in the door and give them a firm handshake. We have them here at Carmen, and I know you have them at Grace. You know when you walk in the doors, you will be sure to see some smiling faces, and you know exactly who they are. And we're glad they're there. Simeon and Anna were probably those kinds of faces in the temple in Jerusalem. Friendly, familiar faces who might have a story or two to tell. And now, after meeting Jesus, we know they have a very special story to tell. They have met the Messiah, and they know it. Much like how later on, when Jesus becomes an adult, there's John the Baptist who comes on the scene. He's doing similar work. He is out there sharing that Jesus is, that the Messiah is here. He is among them in the land. 
John the Baptist is giving people hope that they will soon be free, that God has finally come to the earth. Simeon and Anna are doing the same thing with their witness after they meet the infant Jesus, that they have met him in the temple. By sharing the good news that they have seen the Messiah, they too are offering hope that in this child the Messiah has come and is among them living. He is here for them. God has indeed come just as he promised. Now today as we look back at this incredible life of Jesus from his humble beginning in the manger to the adoration of those who first meet him as a child to all the stories we know of when he became an adult and started his real work. When we look at this entire package of a life, I hope that we look back with awe. Sometimes it's hard to be in awe of something from so long ago, of something that we have pretty much mythologized today, because that's what we've done with, a lot of people have done with the stories of Jesus. We've, we've treated them as myth. And sure, the Bible may be a little inconsistent about his life, but that should just help with the awe, in my opinion. He did so many great things. His life was so significant. People were so excited by his presence that they just told stories about him. Now, they may not all line up end to end perfectly as we like to see happen today. It may not be 100% accurate, but they are stories of Jesus that people had, just had to share about the good work he has done in his life. There's no question questioning Jesus' existence. History has proven again and again that Jesus lived. There are records of him from outside the Bible of his existence on the earth. We have this history that we know he walked among us. Now there's a difference between knowing he existed and knowing him to be God among us. The first is factual knowledge. We can look it up. Jesus did live. But the second is faith. Can we accept that Jesus has come as God among us for a purpose? The purpose being what is told to us in the Bible. He is the Messiah. He is the one who has come to reconcile people to God to bring us all back into relationship with our Creator, our Father in Heaven, but also to continue the work He has started. Work which began right away with His birth. As the shepherd picked up that call to go out and share what they had seen, to glorify God of what they saw in a manger in Bethlehem. That work continued through Simeon and Anna, as they too shared the story of meeting the Messiah for themselves in the temple. All of this, the good news that God has entered the world to make all things new. Jesus calls us to continue in that sharing still today. This good news that we have witnessed as we read about his life in the Bible, as we share in our churches as we experience his presence in our own lives, because Jesus is still active in this world by the power of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that told Simeon he would one day meet the Messiah. 
We are as much part of the story today as Simeon and Anna were in their day. Why? Because we know Jesus as Savior and Messiah. And if you haven't quite figured it out yet for yourself, may you know in your heart what you know in your head. That Jesus has come not just for the people who met him 2,000 years ago, but he has come also for you. Today. So that you may know you are loved and you are welcomed into God's family as he chooses you to be his precious child. What wonderful news this is. Jesus, Savior of the world, God among us, has come so that we may know God our Father personally. And we may be set free from the sin and the flaws of our lives which hold us back from fully embracing all God has for us on this earth and for all eternity with him. My friends, God sent Jesus into the world for a purpose. The purpose being to set us free from sin and experience the glory of God personally as we acknowledge him as our Heavenly Father. With God, you are never anonymous. You are never unrecognized. You are never lost. You are never alone. God sees you for who you are, wherever you are, and he loves you more than you will ever know while you are on this earth. He wants to set you free from your struggles and he wants to give you life, new life. He wants to do it so badly that he came to this earth in the form of a child so that he may experience all life has to offer so that he will know everything that you can feel and bring you to himself for healing and wholeness and love. All of this, born 2,000 years ago in a manger, so that you will know your Father in heaven and the incredible love he offers. The end of our reading, Luke 2.40. And the child grew and became strong, he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. This grace, this love, this mercy, all of which filled Jesus is for you today. May you know this in your heart as you are filled with his hope, his peace, his joy, and his love this day and every day. Let us pray. Father, we, we thank you for such a wonderful gift as this, a Savior born for us, that we may know you personally in our lives, in our hearts. So God, as we recognize that Jesus was born for all of this, may we also see how he has entered into our hearts and our homes to bring healing and love and peace to our lives. This we pray in the name of a Savior born for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Be Still and Know, a ministry of Carmen United Church in Sydney Mines. To learn more about our ministry, please visit our website, www.carmenunited.ca. May God bless you this day.